Welcome to another episode of the Minority Trailblazer Podcast. And I'm your host, Greg E. Hill, the Culture Change Agent. And you already know, I am excited! Today we have an amazing episode from... Amazing guest, amazing episode, amazing energy, amazing actionable items, amazing resources. I'm talking Forbes 30 under 30 guests. I'm talking about Forbes 30 under 30 guests. Like, I'm excited. And what's so special? I recorded this interview a year and a half ago before they blew up, before they were on New York Times, Entrepreneur Mag, before they built a multi-million dollar business with $50. Like, I can't, hmm, let me calm down, let me calm down real quick. So before I even get into the show, introduce the guests, I have a few items I want to address. First of all, thank you for listening. And thank you for sharing the show. We have just surpassed 5,000 downloads. That's phenomenal. Like, I, I, it's just, I can't really explain how grateful I am for y'all to tune in, to listen to it, to share the show, and just to be a part of this whole movement. And I will be remiss. I do ask one favor, one favor, please, if you haven't already. And if you have an iPhone, pause the pause the podcast and leave a review on this show. We got 5,000 downloads and climbing. We only got 63 reviews. And it really helps the show. So please do two things for me. Please leave a review if you haven't already. And please continue to share the show if you like it. Share it with your friends. Share it with somebody, at least one person that could benefit from it. Especially today's episode because I'm talking about every entrepreneur, every world traveler, every person that that mm, this story I'm about to share is so inspiring. And the fact that it's I recorded this a year and a half ago and to see the growth of this individual, the growth of this company and all the things they that, that they allowed and they saw. I think it should serve as a testimony, a powerful testimony for all you young entrepreneurs, for all the old entrepreneurs, for all those that are working every single day at their craft, whether it be business, whether it be comedy, whether it be teaching, whatever you're working at, that if you continue working, your result is going to pay off. So enough of me rapping. I want to get right into it. And man, I got a powerful show for you today. I'm just going to read a bio a little bit because she sent me, like, everybody sends me their bio, but she has one of the best bios that I have ever read in my entire life. So <laughs> I'm just going to open up an email and read it because usually you're going to be like, oh, why is he reading the email? But just listen to this. This sounds amazing. Less than a year ago, Zim launched Travel Noir, a rapidly growing online platform dedicated to helping unconventional travelers discover their journey. From dreaming up a new destination to planning how to get there to maximizing your experience while there, Travel Noir is creating a suite of products to help consumers travel better, farther, and cheaper than ever before. In a relatively short amount of time, Travel Noir has become the gold standard in black travel. In her previous life, she was an activist, a genetic researcher, and Henry Luce, if I hope I said that right, scholar, <laughs> and currently uses these skills he gained in the corporate world to lead an audience in the tens of thousands on a mission to verbally and visually obliterate stereotypes against black travel. She was named one of Glamour Magazine's 20 Amazing Young Women Changing the World and has been featured in Huffington Post, Ebony, New York Times, The Nation, Black Enterprise, and much more. Zim's talents and experience allow her to see the bigger picture, implement projects that not only spark creativity, 
but encourage people to live beyond their borders. God. Oh, my God. Hey, <laughs> Trailblazer Nation, welcome Zim, and I'm not going to say her last name, to the show. Hey, how are y'all doing today? Hold on, we're going to bring this thing back. Zim, you got to give us more energy than that. We on 10 right now. Give me, get, I need to hear, I need to hear, I need to hear this This background. You're 20 for 20 out here. You're out, out, <laughs> out, out, out of billions, millions of people that is in this world. You're the top 21 change in the culture. So let me, let me welcome Zim to the show. Hello from <laughs> San Francisco. <laughs> oh, man, man, I, I can tell it's going to be a blast. So, um, Shoot, before I dig in, though, all right, audience, if you're new to the show, we got three phases. The first phase, we're going to get to know Zen personally and what she does in her business. The second stage, we're just going to talk specifically about traveling to war, black travel, and changing the freaking culture. And on the third phase, we're going to talk about the future. And I'm a big proponent of the future. You have to plan to be excellent. You have to plan to be great. And we're going to talk about the next plans for traveling to war. And on our last the favorite, the best round. We're doing the culture change round. I got six questions I want to ask Zim. Rapid answer, rapid fire, and we're going to get into it. So, with that being said, Zim, tell us a little bit about you and your business. All right. So, I am Zim. I live in San Francisco, the Bay Area. I started Travel Noir last year uh, after meditating on this really interesting idea for over a year. I had a conversation with one of my good friends who, you know, said, what do you have to lose? And in that moment, I knew I had nothing to lose. And so with $50, I started Travel Noir. I recruited, uh, to date, we have over 100 um, contributors to the site who live all over the world who are super passionate about sharing their love of travel, of culture, of exploration with um, other people who look like them. Uh, And so I was inspired to start Travel Noir because I noticed that when I was living in India and traveling around Southeast Asia, there weren't very many people who looked like me. Um, And so now what you're starting to see um, with some of the work that we've been doing with Travel Noir is that you know, the common perception or the common stereotype is that African-Americans do not travel. And a lot of brands buy into that myth. But what you've seen from what we've done at Travel Noir is this really, really interesting shift taking place. So when somebody sees somebody who looks like them doing something they never thought that they could do, that plants a seed in their mind. And so we've had brands like, I mean, we've had really, really large multinational companies approach us uh, to figure out how they can target this uh, loyal, engaged consumer base better. So while we're helping um unconventional travelers travel better and travel farther. We're also helping companies target those travelers. Um, so that, so that's what I do. Um, it is a journey. It is a blessing. I'm excited to do it every day. I, 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 uh, jump out of bed every morning uh, to, to get to work. So, so yeah, that's, what I do. Oh man, that's amazing. So before we get to know about Zim, because I before, before we jump into traveling the war, I want to know about Zim. I want to know about Ignite Greensboro Zim. I want to know before that. I want to know who <laughs> Zim is as a person. I know traveling the war. I want to know that too. We're going to do a quote because anybody that knows me, I wake up at 4.30 every morning and I work and I love, just like Zim, I love, love, love to work. I love what I do. 
but I love quotes. I sent out to quote to over 100 people every morning via text, and it just gets the motivational ball rolling. It just I just love it. So on this show, we're gonna we're gonna start off with a quote. So Zim, hit us with a quote and how you apply it on your everyday life. All right, so. Um, my quote is live life in crescendo. Your greatest contributions are always ahead of you. Uh, so for my music junkies, uh, who, who are familiar with, uh, you know, reading music, I've played music now, I've played piano now for about, uh, 17, uh, years. Uh, crescendo means that the sound gradually gets louder, uh, as time goes on. And so by saying that your uh, contributions are always a- ahead of you and by saying that you should live your life in crescendo, you should understand that your greatest work and your greatest com- uh, contributions will always be ahead of you. So while I know that right now my work is cool, I know that in a year from now my work will be 10 times better. I know a year from then my work will be 20 times better, if not more. So I'm always operating in this space of knowing that my work in the future will be significantly more impactful than it is right now man that's powerful and to ask a question to that doesn't that add in helping you remain humble when you know that i know you're operating on two percent you can accomplish so much more right absolutely it absolutely does yeah because i tell it every every day because right now i'm in a similar space over the last couple months i've been able to to do a lot and everybody's this oh but i'm like I, I, we only operate on two percent on two percent, there's so yeah. much more to accomplish, and I know that that keeps you grounded, keeps you focused to really wake up every day, like you said, and smile. So, let's jump into Zim. Before, let's not talk about Zim. Let's Zim. Tell us a, a little bit about you personally, like where you come from, and and and, and how did you kind of get into this travel lane, and some of the things, and, and talk to your corporate background as well, and how all these things came up, bottled up nose into travel noir. <laughs> Um, sure. So I grew up in Minnesota. I, uh, I have one brother, an older brother. I grew up in a single, uh, single family home. My mom was the only breadwinner of the family and she worked a lot. She was a nurse. So my brother and I, uh, in Minnesota, um, back in the nineties, we were able to roam around a lot. We were able to explore a lot. And so I think that a lot of my uh, independence not only came from my mom and seeing what she had to go through, but um, also that gift of freedom that she gave us as children growing up in a really small town that allowed for us to sort of walk around and wander. So I grew up in Minnesota um, and then I moved over to um, North Carolina uh, when I was nine, nine or 10 years old. Uh-huh. Um, and I, I found a different kind of experience while there. I was picked on a lot. Uh, I didn't fit in. I was very different. Um, whereas coming from, you know, Minnesota, it was a very different experience. So, um, while there, uh, I grew up, I, I did things that teenage kids normally do. Um, and I graduated high school, uh, in Durham, uh, before I went to college, uh, at the university of North Carolina at Greensboro. Um, while I was at UNCG, I was extremely, extremely involved. I was, uh, I became the youngest, um, precinct judge for, uh, the state of North Carolina. Um, so I was responsible for opening and closing polls, uh, 
for the board of election. So that was, you know, I was 19 and, wow. and I was, I was a really young, I was a really young girl, but I, I, I really enjoyed um, being civically engaged and involved. And so that uh, during that time, I was also a uh, researcher. I was a biology major and I did a lot of lab research. And one of my big breaks in college came from when I cloned a, I cloned a gene that had some similarities to a uh, genetic disorder. And so I was uh, blessed enough to travel and talk about my experience with, uh, you know, Please, genetics. Hold on one second. Please run that back. <laughs> Say that again. You did what? <laughs> so I, I cloned and uh, identified uh, the char- characteristics of a gene that had similarities to a, uh, a, um, a disorder, wow. um, a facial disorder. Yeah. So that was, and, and I was, I was 20. Um, so that was the year after. Um, and so it was really interesting. I had the most amazing, um, I had the most amazing, um, professor who worked with me and, and he was very kind and he taught me a lot. And so from there, um, I started, um, working as the vice president of a, oh wait, actually I'm skipping stuff. Sorry. So, so from there, um, I, I worked on the Obama campaign, the first campaign. Um, I was, uh, relatively young here, but it was my first major presidential election. The first time that I was able to vote and in Greensboro, you know, Greg was all, you know, already in, in town. We all sort of felt the energy of that presidential election in 2008. So I did a lot of organizing there. Um, and then right after that, um, I joined, uh, this, uh, large, well, I joined this, uh, anti-tobacco, um, organization, hundred uh, percent youth led. I joined as their vice president. Uh, so I traveled about once a month, um, in college, to different parts of the country, talking to young people about um, tobacco and taking a stand against tobacco. And so I did, I, I, I traveled quite a bit and, and youth conferences were my thing. And I really enjoyed sort of hyping uh, young, the young people up and, and showing them that their voices do matter. Um, and so at the same time that I was doing that, I started Ignite Greensboro um, because I was really interested in um, I was really interested in uh, uh, the civil rights museum that was in Greensboro that hadn't been open for years. Mm-hmm. And so I did work with that. I did, you know, extra work with the community. Um, and that led to, you know, a lot of recognition, a lot of awards. Um, and that sort of culminated in my uh, second time going abroad uh, as a Henry Luce scholar. And so a Henry Luce, the Henry Luce Foundation selects... Uh, 15 to 18 young people who are doing really incredible things in different fields and pays for them to live in Asia for an entire year. So we, um, it's a, it's a relatively prestigious program. Um, and out of, you know, thousands of applicants, they only choose a few. Um, but it's an all expense paid trip to take a deep dive into any country that you choose in Asia. Uh, and so I chose India and so I lived in India for a year and I worked with uh, entrepreneurs um, in the southern part of India and I connected them to different resources. Uh, my turning point for the year in India came when I uh, lived on a train 
uh, in India. I lived on a train and I traveled around uh, the country with 400 other young Indians who were just as excited about changing the world as I was. And, you know, we would stay up late nights. We would have really amazing conversations. We would play drums on the train. We did everything on this train. We ate, we slept, we took showers, we had meetings on this train. We stopped in 13 different cities uh, across India and we, we shadowed entrepreneurs every single day. And it was one of the most enlightening and inspiring experiences that I'd ever, uh, ever, ever done in my life. Um, and from that, I literally can go back to India anytime and crash with one of my 400, you know, Indian uh, cohorts, I call them family, but uh, so my time in India was very transformational because while in India and while in Asia, traveling around is very cheap. Yeah. Uh, there were flights from India to Malaysia for $8 um, oh, and what? flights from northern to southern Thailand for 50 bucks. And so all of the flights were very, very cheap. So it was very, very cheap to get around. Um, so towards the middle of my year, I had... Uh, an insane amount of opportunities to travel more. So, you know, about once a month, I was in another country um, exploring that country. So the loose scholars, we all lived in different countries. So I would just go country hop and just stay with them. So I would cut costs on accommodations and and things like that. Um, And so while I was abroad, you know, I thought a lot about people who looked like me and how there weren't many people who looked like me and why that was. And so I thought about then, you know, what that could look like to have people um, who were of, you know, who were from the African diaspora share their own stories about travel. And at the time, I thought I was an I thought that I was an anomaly. I thought that I was the only one. And, you know, it wasn't until I started Travel Noir that, you know, it there, it was sort of revealed that I am not the only one. I'm far from being the only one. And so that is my story. Um, all however many minutes <laughs> I just spoke. No, <laughs> but a, you a, asked for it. Yeah, I did. And it was a, it was a journey. But there were so many freaking takeaways. I, I, I couldn't stop because I wanted to ask questions. But I was like this is amazing content. This is crazy. You just walk me through it. I mean, you make my job a lot easier. (laughs) So how a girl from Minnesota, single family household, one brother moved to North Carolina, gets picked on. And how did you jump into all these opportunities? I mean, we have people that's on this line listening right now that may be in college or young adults that can hard to find a job, hard to find scholarship, but you at 19 were able to get that position in. Working with the uh, the voting district, and then at twenty, uh, solving. Uh, I'm not even gonna go into that. You just did a lot of stuff. So how did you find these opportunities? Like, what led you to have that curiosity and that mindset to find these opportunities? I mean, I think that it it, it sort of came from an innate place um, of always being curious and always asking questions and always doing better. You know, I have the firm belief that you should be doing better than your parents are doing. Right. And so, you know, it it came from this go getter attitude. Right. It it was never about, okay, I want to get all of these awards. I want people to recognize me. It was never about that. I've always been about doing the work and whatever good is coming is going to come to you regardless. 
Um, so I always, I've always had this face in the face down in the work type of attitude, um, where I never really rest on my laurels that much, but my opportunities, um, specifically for the research one, it, it was a stroll in my biology building. I looked at the billboards. I looked at the walls. I looked at things that were posted up there. Uh-huh. I knew that I wanted to make more out of my experience than just partying and drinking and, and doing all of those things. I knew that at the end of the day, those things all would fall away. And what's left is your experience. What's left is your skill set and what you bring to the table. So yes, while college, there are certain things in college that are a lot of fun, there are also things that you should be looking for beyond that, like your future. And, you know, for me, it was it was about doing good work and leaving a good dent in the world um, and making the most impact that I, that I possibly could. Um, and you know, it wasn't all strategic as you know, many of the readers are, and many of the listeners can, and can probably uh, (laughs) is that I've done a lot of different things, but at the core of that has been building community and meeting people where they are and inspiring people to do good. And so in everything that I've done, there has been a community component Um, in that every single thing that I've done. And so while to the average person, it looks like there's a bunch of different things there to a person who will take the time and to look at those things, will see that there is that common thread. Um, So that, so that's how I found those opportunities. I had a can do attitude. Google was my friend. Uh Um, And, you know, it's all about research People don't want to research these days and they don't find those opportunities because they don't take the time to research. For the Henry Luce Scholars Program, I researched fellowships for, uh, I think, about two months mm-hmm. before I found one that worked for me. Um, so, yeah. That's huge. And uh, two things. When I think about research, it leads me to a book called uh, Still Like an Artist by Austin Kleon. And a lot of people don't realize in the research, it's not, okay, the first article that says something about what you're researching. No, it's the article about the article about the article where you find all the good stuff. So, for instance, Will Smith, say I want to be an actor. I'm not going to research. I'm just, I'm not only going to research Will Smith. I'm going to say, okay, who does Will Smith look up to? Then I'm going to look... I'm going to look at them. Then I'm going to say, who did they look up to? Then I'm going to look at them. And that is kind of where the foundation of a lot of things come from. Because a lot of people stop at the first thing. They say, okay, I want to find a scholarship. They type in scholarships online. Boom. There's a billion of them. Now it's like, oh, man. No. You type in more. You just got to dig a lot of deeper and unpack that. And I think you really spoke to that. And then the second one, tribes. And when you said tribes and making an eruption in the world, automatically think of Seth Godin because, I mean, he is the the tribe master. He's written 17 yeah. books, and um, it's crazy. Sidebar, this is random, but um, I talk to Seth Godin, like, every week. It's, like, really weird. He responds to emails. Like, if you send him, like, a sentence or a paragraph, he'll respond. And <laughs> so nice. it's, it's, it's kind of crazy. But um, let's go into, because for all our readers out there, some, A, majority of them are on the edge of the seat like this is crazy this girl is just amazing and some are like this is too good to be true i can how can i put myself <laughs> in her shoes because at 19 she was solving world diseases and stuff like that and doing all this other stuff so talk about a failure talk about a time that zim made a mistake 
please, please. And then tell the audience what you learned from it because I want them to everybody to realize that there's a little bit of Zim in all of us. <laughs> no, that is true. Um, you know, I will talk about um, the the starting Ignite Greensboro. So I started Ignite Greensboro with the sole mission to get the International Civil Rights Museum open. And for those of you that don't know, Greensboro was the site of the first successful sit-in uh, in 1960 at Woolworths in downtown Greensboro. Now, at the time, um, there was a committee that was, you know, tasked with getting this museum off the ground. But for one reason or another, they just weren't doing that. So I approached the then head of the, um, the Civil Rights Committee and I said, hey, you know, we are looking to... Uh, create an, an organization that is going to work directly with you all to get um, to get this museum open. And my response was, or her response was, we will reach out to you once the museum is open and we have uh, interest for docents. And a docent is somebody who sort of is like a tour guide. Mm-hmm. Um, so I took that as a huge blow because, you know, in this world, we all seek validation uh, of some sort. And for the, the head of the museum to basically shut down the idea that we had to engage all of these, you know, 30,000 young people in, in Greensboro was a blow. And, you know, I sat down after that meeting and I was crushed. I was like, you know, what, what am I going to do now? I had this really cool idea. I, you know, I really wanted to make it work. And now I don't even have the support of, of the committee. What am I going to do? So sat on that for probably maybe mm, two days. I had a mentor. Um, her name is Adrienne. She's wonderful. She works at UNCG. And she's quite outspoken. So so I went and I told her about it. And, you know, I came to the conclusion that you can wait for somebody to tell you to go or you can just go. Mm-hmm. And so it was at that point that I said, you know what? This isn't for their approval. This isn't for them. Uh, this is for us as young people to recognize those who've come before us and do our good deed in supporting them moving forward. And so I went and we went at a thousand miles per hour. We were on TV stations. We were in newspapers. We were on streets. We were doing flash mobs. We were on your campus. We were in your classroom. We were everywhere. And, you know, when you see failure and when you're faced with failure, what sort of distinguishes people from those failures is how they decide to push through it. You can fail and you can fail. You can fail and you can get up. And so what I did was I failed and I got up. And by doing that, at the end of the day, you know, we ended up getting that recognition from the museum. But that's not that's not what I wanted. You know, I didn't I didn't go in it for their approval in the first place. And so I think that that is my one of my big, bigger failures that I uh, that I talk about and how and how I push through. Man, that's huge. And I'm gonna let the audience 
resonate with that because I think you explained it in a great way. Um, so, quick public service announcement. Um, I just wanted to say in season two, we will be bringing on some sponsors for the show, but I want to make sure to keep the integrity of the show. Every sponsor is going to be aligned aligned directly with our brand, and we're only going to introduce things that are going to add value to your life. And on that note, the I want to say a few words about Travel Noir Experiences Package. They're not don't get us you. They're not a sponsor of season one or this show, but I will be remiss. They just opened up. Just opened up. The thing they call travel to war experiences where you spend six to seven days at a destination. And I'll give you the website in a second where they curate the whole experience. You connect with 12 to 14 individuals from different backgrounds and y'all just travel, embrace the time, get disconnected and have a great, great, great time. And they they, they coordinate the whole experiences. It's pretty it's pretty affordable and you can go and before I even give you the website, I'm talking about Cape Town, Bali, Zanzibar, Johannesburg, um, the Amalfi Coast. I mean, I remember Jay-Z dropped that in the line one time <laughs> and they curate the whole trip for a low cost. And I definitely want I would be remiss not to share what's going on with traveling the war, the new thing. So for more information, you can go to www. TNExperiences.com www.TNExperiences.com For more information Or you can just follow them on Instagram At TravelingWar At Zimism For all the details So please, please, please Go check that out Travel with a great group of people It's already curated for you. You don't need to figure out where you need to go or or everything. It already is there for you. So working on some great partnerships to add value to you. So please keep us in your prayers. Keep the team in your prayers. And back to the show. Let's let's transfer to Travel Noir. So you did all this stuff beforehand, undergrad, A Night Greensboro, doing all amazing stuff. So and I know you said, okay, you try you started Travel Noir with $50. So and I, and honestly, doing my research, I didn't realize Travel Noir was only founded a year ago because of social media falling. What you've been able to do and accomplish in just over a year's time has been freaking phenomenal. And even though I know the backstory, this is 10, 20 years in the making. But just <laughs> I know, but just just speaking to Travel Noir, how have you, in the most simplest format, if you can walk us through, been been able to over a year establish this vibrant, this growing and huge brand so so fast yeah our our one-year anniversary is actually next month so we um how did i i remember going into instagram for the first time and trying to find african-american travelers or travelers of the african diaspora and i couldn't find anybody um and so you know to to sort of walk everybody through um, what I did for Travel Noir, um, once I sort of recognized that I was actually going to do it, I bought the domain name, um, designed the site, got all that stuff up, put up a landing page, um, and I had people who were interested in submitting um, pieces for uh, Travel Noir stories. I had them uh, sign up to be notified when we launched. And so we actually launched, I think, with maybe 10 or 15 different stories for people to already read. So I launched with stuff already on the site for people to consume. Mm -hmm. Um, And it really, the 
the boost or the growth has just really come from other people. It's, it's come from uh, inspiring and, and um, being sort of an aspirational brand. You know, people love to be featured on Instagram. People love to be featured and people love to talk about themselves, as you can see, as I'm on. <laughs> people, love, people love to see themselves. And when you mix that with this idea that black people don't travel, they've never traveled, they don't go anywhere. It's just Miami, the Caribbean, Vegas, and that's it. When you see people in Iceland, when you see people in Senegal, when you see people in Cambodia, that plants a seed, you know? So it's no longer you spending your $2,100 to go to Vegas for the, you know, third time in three years. It's let me take my $2,100 and go to Dubai. Let me go to Iceland. Let me go to the Netherlands. It starts to open up um, this, this perception that we don't travel. Um, and so I think that a part of why we've grown so fast is even though it's not radical in nature, uh, I think that people have have sort of taken it as truth that we don't travel. Um, and by showing them people that do travel, it seems sort of like a radical notion. We've been traveling for years. We've been mm-hmm. traveling since the beginning of time. Um, so so, yeah, that's that's. Part of why I think that that the brand has grown so much. Yeah, that's that's huge, man. And and honestly, you just stand to your core. It's something you love to do. You're very passionate about, and it's crazy. So I, I want to ask two things. I'm going off script a little bit. I have two questions. Yep. Walk us through a story of one of your craziest travel experiences. And and before you answer that, how many countries have you been to? I'm just curious. Ah. Uh. How many countries have I been to? Gosh, I you know what I I don't keep count. I think it's I think it's uh, Black America. I asked her how many countries she's she's been to. She said I do not keep count. Clap it up if you're in the, if you're in the car. Clap it up. This is crazy. Uh, I I don't know. I think it's um, probably edging on thirty. Maybe I don't know. Okay. I'll have to get back to you with that number. But um, so that's that's the country count with um, the destination. My craziest, my craziest trip, um, you know, I think, so I went to Burma um, by myself when I was uh, living abroad. And that was, for those of you all who aren't familiar with the history of Myanmar, I definitely recommend that you, um, that you read up on it, that you research it. Um, Burma has no international foreign investment. So you go into that country and all of the car they're pre uh pre 92 pre 89 all the buildings are you know obviously not up to code coming from india going to burma was a shock um and you know so i traveled through burma alone um i rode on a bus to a beach and i stayed on a beach with electricity for um i think the electricity was maybe four hours a day um and I, I did that for a week, and that was my think week. So I take think weeks every week, where I uh, sort of get away from everybody, turn you off you all take of a that. Think week every week. I'm sorry, not every week. <laughs> every, yeah, I was like, oh, I was like, man, is, is I take a time week. machine. <laughs> <laughs> I think I take a think week every year okay. um, to a different destination where I unplug. I take a ton of articles, a ton of books, and I read. And I figure out where I want to be in the next year and 
and all of those different kinds of things, read the Bible, pray, all the, all of those different kinds of things. And, uh, this was my think week. Um, Myanmar used to be a really crazy place for tourists. Now it's sort of opening up. Um, but the country is incredibly beautiful, but I've never been on a bus with people who've never been on a bus before. People were throwing up left and right. It was just a really interesting, um, sort of scenario, but, um, definitely something that I will, will take with me. I'm pretty fearless as it, as it relates to, um, traveling. Mm-hmm. Oh, I hear a bad echo. So I'm pretty fearless when it comes to traveling and traveling solo. I will travel to different countries, rent cars, drive down the countries, um, and, you know, just live there. There's a certain amount of freedom that comes from, uh, taking risks, uh, safe risks. Well, there are no such things as safe risks, but, um, <laughs> but yeah, so, so with all that being said, I, I want to kind of go into another direction before I go into the future. And could you walk us through for our, our first time traveler, right? We've never mm-hmm. been out of the country. Um, we are seeing, okay, I want to get out of the U.S. I got a, uh, I got an okay budget. Where do I start? I know this is a loaded question because there's a billion answers to this, but from a basic, a novice traveler like myself that's never been outside the country, outside of Canada, where do I Greg, start? Greg, you've never been out of the country? Nah. <laughs> oh, we gotta change that. Yeah, I know, I know, I know. Anthony Kerr, a good friend of mine, he, he's a big helpful. I, I, he's all, He always put me on traveling the war back in the day. He's a big advocate of getting me out, so... Within the next, within this year, I know New Year's. I want to do something, but I'm, 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 I will be in it. I'm gonna make a blog post. Gonna be on my website. I'm gonna do a video series. Like I'm down. So keep me in the loop of everything. But for the first time travels, where do we start? Like where, where do you start? Um. Well, first you gotta get your passport. So that's number one because uh-huh. you can't leave the country without that precious piece of document. Um. You gotta get your passport first. Um, the second thing is to figure out where you want to go. Do you like beaches? Do you like nightlife? Do you like the cafe culture? Do you like mountains? Do you like cityscapes? You have to figure out what it is that you want to do on your trip. Um, what kinds of, do you want something that has sort of a melting pot of all of those different kinds of things? Figure out what you want to do on your vacation. Do you want to relax? Do you want to live it up? Do you want to do adventurous things? You have to figure out what you want to do, then figure out the type of place that you're trying to go. And then if you go into Google, your personal concierge, and you (laughs) type in these things, you should be able to land on a destination that could work for you. Now, to find uh, flights, I use a couple of really uh, interesting tips. So I use kayak.com slash explore. Um, and that allows you uh, allows you to see how far you can go with with whatever's in your budget. So you set your budget at you know let's say five hundred dollars, and you set your starting point. So you're starting from Miami. It's going to tell you where you can go for five hundred dollars round trip. Are you serious? And a lot of times you can go for five hundred dollars. You can probably go to South America, Central America right for now? sure. For five hundred dollars? Yeah. What? I went to Italy in uh, a couple months ago for $126 round trip. Shut up. Nope. 
Oh, and you, you didn't send it, that. You didn't send me an email. Dang. So no. Anytime uh, you see anything under the five four hundred dollars, go ahead and send me up, and I'm going right wherever I'm at. I don't care if I'm doing a speech to a thousand middle schoolers. I'm leaving right there. I can't wait to follow this Instagram. Follow. <laughs> I gotta get. My, I'm, I'm I'm going to travel the world right now. <laughs> there's a there's actually a five hundred dollar flight today um, from all over the U S to Ireland, um, and that's round trip. And so you know, looking at at tools like the flightdeal.com, um, what else? Uh, Airfare Watchdog. I'm a big fan of hunting down glitch fairs, which are fairs that happen uh, probably four times a year. And they're sort of accident fairs. So they're not supposed to happen. But there was one glitch fair um, on uh, November of last year where the entire world was on sale. I'm talking from D.C. to India for $285 round trip, um, from Houston to South Africa for $400 round trip. Um, that's where I found my hundred and, you know, my $130 round trip flight to, um, to Milan. Uh, and so, you know, using some of the tools and resources that we talk about on travelnoir.com that we uh, share on our Hangouts, on our Twitter chats, on all of those uh, on all of our channels will definitely help the first time traveler um, get to wherever they want to go. Yeah, and I, it's crazy. I just I'm looking at the the uh, the Noir manifesto right now. I am a subscriber now. I the Mailchimp, <laughs> so I'm in there now. But yeah, for all the in depth resources and tips, and we're gonna talk to it at the end of the show. But Go ahead and check out TravelNoir.com, and we're going to have all that information in the show notes, and Zim will do our outro with all that information. So, gosh, man, there's so many great resources on there. Boom. So, let's go into the third round. The third round, we're going to talk about the future. So, Zim, um, can you tell our audience a snippet, or can you give us a sneak peek into what TravelNoir has in store for the end of the and maybe beyond? Um, a sneak peek. Hmm. Just some, a something sneak sweet. peek. Video. Give it. Give us. Give us a taste. That's that's the taste. Videos. That is a taste. That's all I can say. Um, but I'm just kidding. There, there is going to be really, really uh, engaging new ways to uh, interact with the brand um, that I think will be very exciting for all of our um, all of our followers that they'll really appreciate. Um, so that is for the end of 2014 and then beyond it's, it's a global takeover. <laughs> and it's that simple. It's just that simple. And I mean, I, I'm not even going to go in depth because I like a lot of, I mean, it's just, you just got to follow Zim and, and travel to walk. Cause if, if this is what they've been able to accomplish in doing a year, I can only imagine what's in store. So videos, Takeover. If you're black, I don't care. I don't care what race you are. You need to be a traveling war, learning travel <laughs> tips, because we all need to be traveling abroad. Sidebar: I'm gonna go on my mini rant because everybody's familiar with the show. I go on my mini rant for, from time to time, but I would love within the next decade or so to get a travel component into the elementary and middle school programs in school and education. Um, yeah, that would be huge because it'd be so powerful for kids of, especially minority kids, to be able to look at other cultures and get different perspectives and open up their eyes to the world because there's so many kids that haven't even been out their city and they never will get an opportunity and our education system throws thousands and thousands of dollars into the most random obsolete stuff that, that, that is not helping our kids 
when they could be your vest in this foreign travel, like imagine kindergartners from the hood or from, from even from, I was going to middle, middle income high school and I'd never been out of North Carolina before I was 14. So imagine what kind of mind shift and what kind of things that could happen if you take that kid and you send him to South America, you send him to Brazil, you send him to Africa. So much stuff could happen. So um, that's why I'm in the school system right now, speaking of stuff like that, building my name, because we're going to bring it home in 10 years. I guarantee we're going to have schools and middle schoolers traveling all over the world. Like that's the new wave. That's the new wave. So um, I get off my soapbox and we get back <laughs> to the interview. Um, Zim. Yes. And, this, and I'm, these next two questions is going to be go from 100 to a zero real quick. It's going to get serious. Um, what would you tell yourself if you know what you know now 10 years ago? Um, well, 10 years ago, I was uh, 16. Mm-hmm. So what would I tell myself? Um, gosh, that's a good question. I'd probably tell myself, don't worry, be okay. And I say that because I come from a family of warriors. My family's Nigerian, um, and they are predominantly women, worry a lot about everything. And so, you know, back then, I, I think that I was really uh, caught up with um, trying to, to please my parents um, and, not, and not sort of fulfilling what I knew that I could do. Uh, and so as a 16-year-old girl, uh, it was actually the first time that I met my father in Nigeria when I traveled over there. So it was a, it was a pretty transfer- uh, transformational period for me. But I think that I say that you should not worry and just keep doing what you do. Oh, man. That's amazing. That's amazing. And it's, it's really simple. Um, I wish I could have the same answer if I had to tell myself some things 10 years ago. <laughs> but, and we get deep again. Um, we all know that our time on earth is limited. And um, I ask all my, my guest viewers this, and not to be morbid, but what do you want at the end of the day, the legacy of Zim to be? Um, I want to somebody who was known to to love God um, and who really inspired people to live their best lives. So whatever it is that they did, inspiring uh, people to live their truths, to live the very best lives that they can imaginable um, while a sort of inspiring the next generation i like that deep years (laughs) very very simple so we're gonna go to one of the most exciting oh wait i didn't finish my question dang you didn't rewind shut up nah 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 you hear i'm listening so everything that i've done in the past uh you know 10 years has been well, not 10 years. Gosh, everything that I've done for the past seven or eight years has been to help other people see the best in themselves. Um, and I think that at the end of the day, at the end of my life, that's what I want to be known for. How much money I left in the bank, not uh, how many days I worked in the year, but how I made people feel when I interacted with them, how I made people uh, think after I interacted with them. I think that 
your lasting legacy should be in experiences and, and not in, in things. Mm. That's some deep stuff. That really is. And I'm just going to let, I'm going to let the audience, I've been letting the audience meditate a lot on this <laughs> podcast, but you're really just doing a great job of orating and walking us through it. So let's go to one of the most exciting rounds of this podcast, and that is the Rapid Answer Rapid Fire Round. I got five questions for you. Ready to lock and load? You ready, Zim? I'm ready. <laughs> what is the best piece of advice that you've ever received? Be authentic. Mm. Do you want me to? Do you want me to expand on these? Oh, you can expand if you want to, girl. Okay, so be authentic. So when you're uh, when somebody is starting a company, um, you should be intimately involved with your problem that you're trying to solve. Uh, for somebody who I have a a friend of mine, uh, Tristan Walker, who uh, started Walker and Company and and was at Foursquare, he talked about you know trying to start a company in like tech or in biology, but that wasn't his background. What he knew was um, how his sort of way that he cut his hair, right? How... Oh. <laughs> no, no, you, you, no, keep flow, flow with it, girl. I'm here. Do it. Uh, Do it. Um, so, so what Tristan knew was how, you know, razors affected his face and how razors affected the faces of many males of color. And so he started a company around that. And so being authentic means that you know your problem intimately. You know, um, you know how you can relate to your audience. And so when you come across an entrepreneur who has lived that problem that you're living, you feel much more connected to them. So I'd say that's, that's my, my big lesson. I feel you, and I can relate to the problems of razor blades because if you look at my face now, it's cool. But um, I'm not gonna go to that year ago story. Let's go. Let's get back to you. <laughs> what is one? What is one of your personal habits that you can contribute to your success? Um, what is the, one of the personal habits that I can contribute to my success? People ask me if I sleep a lot uh, or if I sleep ever, and I, I I always sleep. I don't know. I just I think that. Um, you know, I'm, I'm steady rocking at, you know, a good seven hours every day, which is good. Um, but I am an insanely hard worker. Uh, people will typically have to pry me away from my work, but because I love what I do so much, it never really feels like work. It just feels like an extension of who I am. Um, and so I'm trying to get a little bit better than, than that, but I think that, um, one is is my work ethic, and then two, I really love to connect people through stories. So when I'm telling the story about Travel Noir and I'm sharing, you know, why I started and and why this is needed and why this is why this matters, people connect to that, and I think that that is because I am a, I guess I'm an, a natural storyteller, but I've also over the years have spoken to tens of thousands of people from all over the world. And I've sort of honed in, you know, how, you know, you should engage with different groups of people. And I think travel helps that travel helps you connect with people in different ways from different cultures. Uh, so, yeah, I could tell and I might be reaching on this, but you're a big reader, right? Yes. Give us, and I want to hear this because I'm a huge reader. I'm probably a bigger reader than you. I, I we do a book challenge any day, any day. I, anybody on the show, we could do a book challenge. I'm, I'm, I'm probably one of the biggest readers that ever exists on this planet. <laughs> I got you. Yo, you want to do it? Let's do it. Like, I, Let's I, do we it. could go for days, but. <laughs> it's, uh, what, um, what is your favorite book? 
and, and, and give me a, a, a story, a short story of why it is. All right. So my gosh, gosh asking a book reader what their, their book so is. It's so hard. Like, choose a child. So <laughs> I love books for different reasons. Um, but one book that I will say really changed a lot for me was uh, Malcolm Gladwell's Outliers. Oh, my uh, God. That changed my life, too. Explain, <laughs> please explain. I read that book when I think I was a junior in college and I was just blown away at the way that, you know, Malcolm Gladwell has a really interesting gift with taking complex topics and complex themes and breaking them down into ways that um, are digestible and easy to understand. And so looking at how success um looks different and how it's not based on the common factors that we think it's based on what you know huge the 10,000 hour rule the you know there's this really interesting part uh within outliers that talks about how a lot of the uh major tech uh giants a lot of those founders were born uh no more than one or two years apart and that, and you know, it, the, if you all have not read Outliers, you should be rolling your car up into Barnes and Noble uh -huh. or going to Amazon or Kindle or whatever and getting that book. It is a phenomenal, phenomenal, phenomenal read. And, they, and it is, and you should be clicking the affiliate link in the show notes <laughs> with this book. <laughs> and do not go to Barnes and Noble. You, what inspires you the most and keeps you motivated? What inspires me the most and keeps me motivated? I think that it is seeing how much Travel Noir has grown. In you know, we we formed an actual company, an actual corporation in March. So technically, um, we are about five months old. But just to see how much it's grown in that time, and how many large brands have approached us. Um, and I mean, in addition to being starstruck, um, it's, it's definitely been a really humbling experience to see how far we've grown and where we could possibly go. I mean, there are a million and one different ways that we can go with the brand. Um, and I think that that's the most exciting for me to be able to wake up and say, okay, what am I going to tackle today is, is amazing. I have a team of close to 20 people who live all over the world, who are incredibly passionate about traveling, incredibly passionate about building the brand. I could not have done anything without them. Uh, in addition to the almost 20 people we have on the team, we have four incredible advisors who have lived that life, who have walked the walk, uh, not talking the talk. And so to have that close counsel um, be able to say, all right, this is not what you need to do. This is what you should do here. Or this is why this works. And this is why this doesn't work is something that I think is huge. And a lot of people, a lot of people, side note, uh, they, they think that travel noir is just the blog or it's just an Instagram, but it's really a lot more than that. We have so many things that we're working on behind the scenes, hence the 20 people. Um, but it is going to be an exciting year in 25th. It's truly, truly going to be exciting. If you were the president of the United States, what is the first thing you would do? What is the first thing that I would do as the president of the United States? 
Um, I redesigned the White House. Wait, just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. Um, what would I do as the president of the United States? That that's a good question. That I actually, mm, I mean, if it were travel related, I would reinstate. You know, I'd instate some sort of travel program. Um, <laughs> but if it's not travel related, it'd probably be something that's education related. Um, because I see my mom grew up in a mud hut in Nigeria. Uh, in the 60s. And she lived in a very, very small house to see where education brought her to America, to be a nurse, upper middle class, to see, you know, that shift because of education. uh, It it makes you realize how important that, you know, how important education is uh, to our livelihoods and to who we are as contributing members of society. Mm. That's real. That's real. And I, I yeah. love all that. <laughs> so the last question is my favorite because um, I go by the moniker of the culture change agent. And I really believe, especially in our minority community and our young generation in general, um, there is a lot of minor tweaks. Scratch that. There's a lot of major tweaks that we need to, to install in our in our young people and our young adults to really unlock their true potential. And this question goes directly to that because I want to get your take on it. Right. Sure. If you could change one thing about society, most specifically our African American culture, what would it be and why? If I could change one thing about the African American culture, um, you know, growing up, um, and I think this is this is the case in, in all cultures, and I'll speak specifically to African Americans in just a second, but Growing up, it's never okay to be weird. It's never okay to be different, right? When you're a kid, kids are cruel. Kids will pick on you and mess, you know, mess, mess with you. But when you grow older, because everybody sort of assimilates into society, those, those gems are the people who are a little quirky, the people who are a little different. And I wish that, you know, African Americans would not only sort of embrace that, but and, and, and by embracing that, I mean getting out of this whole if my friend doesn't do it, I can't do it either. I know a lot of people, yeah, African-Americans typically travel in groups. Um, and whenever I bring up the topic of solo travel, it is all people's skin automatically crawls. And I think that developing that sense of independence is crucial for not only our community, but for for our children right and so if you know one of the uh, one of the things that i want to share one of our curators uh one of our contributors to the site blessing has a daughter um who is is i think five now instead of a birthday present so instead of toys instead of uh uh you know other gifts Camille, her, Camille is her name. She doesn't receive any gifts. She receives a trip to a country that she names every year. Wow. So her mom will say, Camille, what do you want for your birthday? Mom, I want to go to Peru. Okay. How are we going to plan this out? Sit down at the table. We plan. We're going to go here. We're going to go see, you know, we're going to see Machu Picchu. We're going to go to Lima. We're going to go to all these places. And that is that child's gift. And that gift of travel is will do so much more for that kid, for that child. It does so much more for Camille than, you know, 
toys and, and clothes and you know African Americans are top consumers. Take that dollar and invest in experiences. It'll it will enrich your child's life. It'll enrich your life beyond what you can imagine. That's deep. We just gonna we gonna end it like that. We really are. I mean, that's powerful. And um, hopefully, everybody that has been able to listen to the podcast all the way through and hear the stuff. I mean, just think about it. Reflect. Just like Zim takes a a week every year. Take fifteen minutes. Think about your life. Think about where you want to go. Think about where you want to do. Think about who you want to be. And I guarantee that will have amazing, mind blowing effect on your life. So, Zim. Before we go and we and we take it here, first, I would like to thank you for your time, for your presence, for your energy, for your passion, for your answers. Thank you for it all. <laughs> uh, you're welcome. And where can people find more about you, Travel Noir, and keep up to date on all the biggest, best things for travel, for life, for everything? Where can they find you at? All right. So my personal website is Zimism.com. Um, but all of the really, really insane information you will find on travelnoir.com in the newsletter that we send out, um, every week we, we send out a a few, we send one sort of general, uh, newsletter. And then there's a personal letter from me that talks about my own experiences, my own hacks, my tips, my, um, best practices to get you out into the world and traveling farther and better than you've ever imagined. And, and so you can find Travel Noir at Travel Noir on all social media accounts. And you can find me personally at Zimism, uh, Z-I-M-I-S-M on all social media accounts. Mm. And audience, all this information will be in the show notes. And I just want to say thank you one more time for tuning in all the way to the end. So for more information on the podcast, more information about me, you want to find out, you can go to www.greggyhill.com. You can find me on Twitter at Greggy Hill, Instagram at Greggy Hill. Any questions, holler at me. I respond. You want to see somebody, a guest on the show, holler at me. I respond. You, you want to be featured on the show? Send me an email, minoritytrailblazer at gmail.com. I respond. So that's all I really have to say. Please, 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 if you haven't already, share the show with a friend. Please continue to move and continue to share the show. Please definitely leave a review. It really helps. And if you're on SoundCloud too, please follow us on SoundCloud if you're listening from an Android device. And that's all I really got to say. So thank you for tuning in the whole hour episode. I had a fantastic time talking to Zim and the great folks at Traveling the War. They're doing some amazing things. So keep them, keep them locked in. And you know how I always end it. I just need you to do one thing. If you don't, if you don't listen to or apply anything we talk about on the show, I don't care what you do. I just need you to do this. What, what, what do we, what do you need me to do, Greg? I need you to change the culture. Good night. <laughs>